You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we got to let it breathe just for a moment. Got to bring on Facebook. Get the MHH tribe under this tent completely and we'll fire up this Monday edition. And we are good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, many a Broncos fan wondered what happened to old Demarius Thomas, who spent all of 2020 out of football, trying to crack back into the league. It wasn't happening for him. He announced today um, through the team that he is retiring, and he retired a Bronco. So it's been a really fun day celebrating the special player that Demarius Thomas was for this team. It was no surprise that he was announcing his retirement, but the opportunity to kind of reflect on his accomplishments in the orange and blue has actually been a lot of fun. It has because we've gotten almost a glimpse back into what that golden era was like from, you know, from Peyton Manning until up as, until his retirement. They won a title, all the records they set, all the points they put up. And we got to hear from Peyton Manning. We even got a shout out. DT got one from Tim Tebow. So it's like the relics and the legend from Broncos past are coming back to light. And after the last five years where the Broncos couldn't be any further away from that point, it's nice to kind of think about what was. And uh, DT will always go down, Chad, as one of the most underrated receivers in NFL history, but also one of the greatest receivers in Broncos history. I hope he enjoys his retirement. Here's to the next chapter, and we'll see you in the rafters. Speaking of, here you go. Here's here's uh, Peyton's message to DT. DT, Peyton here. Congratulations on an incredible NFL career. It was an honor and a privilege to play with you, to be your teammate, always had great respect for your toughness, your work ethic, your fearlessness across the middle, your ability to make big catches in big games and uh, never play with anybody as big and strong and powerful <laughs> and as fast as you. So uh, I wish you all the best in this next chapter and uh, job well done, pal, all the way from Atlanta to Georgia Tech to the Denver Broncos. Man, uh, you did it the right way at the uh, highest of levels. And he did it for a long time. Proud to be your friend. Congratulations. That's dope. That's my guy. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't think I was going to get that one. How did this fit, dude? <laughs> that was cool. God bless him. You know, we were talking about this, Zach. Uh, by the way, you guys could hear that, right? That was coming through okay? Uh, we were talking about this before the show, that that probably was among, if not the, most special message congratulating DT on a career Uh, that he had, because if it's not for Peyton Manning, Demarius Thomas probably goes on to still develop into a quality wide receiver and probably still goes on to justify his first-round draft pedigree. But without Peyton Manning, man, you don't go four consecutive years over a 1,000 yards. You don't get four or five, whatever it was, I think five Pro Bowl nods probably. probably. You're definitely not winning the Super Bowl. And you're not getting paid those dollar dollar bills. That big contract John Elway gave Demarius Thomas after he well earned it. Peyton Manning has made a lot of people a lot of money, Zach. 
He has, and uh, Demarius Thomas had a fine career because of Peyton Manning for sure, but on his own, what a specimen of a receiver he was coming out of college, coming out of Georgia Tech with that triple option offense. I think it was Paul Johnson, the former head coach, who ran it. Uh, but look at the guy. I mean, he was a freak. He was the ultimate size, speed, monster you know, mismatch for opposing defenses. And, of course, Peyton Manning took him to the next level because he's Peyton Manning. It's like taking Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne to the next level. That's the Peyton Manning effect. But even on his own, DT proved himself to be an elite receiver at this level. And, again, one of the most underrated guys you will ever find. And one of the most soft-spoken as well. You saw it in that video. He said he, he laughed to himself very, you know, coyly, very subtly. And he said, that's my guy. He didn't showboat. He wasn't flexing. That's just DT. Well-deserved retirement for a very, very, very talented player. If you remember the No Doubting Thomas 30 for 30 ESPN did on DT, which went back in time to his upbringing and how his grandmother and his mother got arrested and how he was raised by his aunt and uncle and all that stuff. One of the things you learn from that, and it's worth a watch for everybody, and I'm sure most Broncos fans can remember that, but one of the takeaways I can remember, Zach, and it speaks to something you just mentioned, was that Demarius had was almost a crippling introvert. He was his he was so shy that it was almost crippling to him. His aunt and uncle really had to kind of coax him into, you know, um, participating in conversations and not being in the background all the time. And I think becoming such a star athlete, that was what he could really hang his hat on, allowed him the confidence to overcome some of that shell and whatnot. But you see it even there. The microphone, the camera's on him. And you've got arguably the greatest quarterback of all time giving you props and shouting you out. And it's still just that very humble, shy, you know, soft-spoken DT. But, Zach, I want to ask you about something because I'm old enough to remember the year that DT was drafted in 2010 by the Josh McDaniels, Brian Zanders regime. It was actually quite controversial that he was the first wide receiver off the board. Everyone expected Des Bryant to be the first and Des, you know, uh, especially initially, first couple of years he was in the league while DT was overcoming a foot injury uh, and then kind of suffering from inconsistent quarterback play. I mean, Tim Tebow was his quarterback his second year. Des was shooting for the moon. I mean, he was putting up some pretty serious numbers almost out of the gates. Meanwhile, as it all comes out in the wash, as we can see here, Zach, I did the research earlier today, De- uh, Demarius Thomas comes out on top. And let's not forget, both of these quarterbacks in their prime, uh, excuse me, both these wide receivers in the prime of their years had quality quarterback play for the bulk of their careers. DT with Peyton and, of course, Tony Romo with Dez. But the way it all shook out in the final analysis, Zach, and I know Dez is still trying to stay on in the league. We'll see how that shakes out. But DT retires with 714 career receptions, 9,763 yards, and 63 touchdowns. Meanwhile, Dez. 537 receptions, 7,500 yards, and this is where he does have DT beaten, 75 touchdowns. So when I think of the biggest difference between these two wide receivers, what I think about, and it's showcased right here in that final statistic, Zach, Dez was a guy you could just throw it up to in the red zone, and he would come down with it. Like that was his forte. That was his specialty. But DT, man, he was a threat to take it to the house, kind of like Julio, from anywhere on the field. 
Well, I could explain the touchdown discrepancy a little bit because in Denver with Peyton Manning, he loved to spread the ball around to so many different wide receivers. His supporting cast was so varied. And if you remember in Dallas, who was Des Bryant's number two there? At least DT had Emmanuel Sanders. You know, he had some other talented weapons around him later in his career. Miles Austin, I mean, that was the best they can do there. And it's also got to compare quarterback play. Tony Romo was a great quarterback, but I don't think he was anywhere near Peyton Manning's level. So both are good receivers. I think the Broncos uh, was a win-win with either Dez or DT. I would have taken DT personally, um, but I think the difference in quarterback play was the biggest benefactor to his stats. You know, there's two. I don't know. I'm not sure I would really qualify it that way because on one hand, you're right that DT had to share the spotlight with uh so many weapons that were garnering the attention of Peyton Manning. But at the same time, Dez, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, in terms of how it comes out in the watch statistics and all that, I mean, Dez Bryant, we could look at the stats. I don't have targets pulled up, but I would be willing to bet Dez Bryant's targets over that peak period of their respective careers was pretty dang high. And Tony Romo, I mean, I think back to that 2013 showdown, Zach, between the Broncos and Cowboys, what was that, 52 to 49 or something, the Broncos – barely come out ahead. Their careers were so similar, but Demarius Thomas ended up in hindsight, retrospectively, with a more shining career. Question to you, does DT, he's going to end up in the ring of fame. He's the number two all-time receiver in Broncos history. Do you think he has a real, I mean, he has an argument for the Hall of Fame, and we can talk more about that by virtue of his Pro Bowls, uh, his all pros, his world championship, his statistical production. He does have an argument. Now, you can debate the strength and merit of the argument, but he does have a base argument. Is that even a realistic expectation for fans that someday maybe Demarius Thomas can end up in Canton? I, I don't think so. I mean, for sure, he's not a first ballot kind of guy whenever he is up. And uh, I, I just don't think he did enough. I mean, we talk about him as being one of the most underrated receivers in NFL history. The reason he's underrated is because he doesn't get that national attention. And we've seen the Broncos snubs in years past. We've seen the glacial pace that the Hall of Fame moves to get Broncos players in Canton. I don't see it with DT. I will say, though, Ring of Fame absolutely a certainty the Broncos are going to honor him in week three this year Chad will be there that's the mile I huddle meetup game so we're going to see accolades for DT in his retirement I just realistically objectively don't see him going to Canton I have a hard time seeing that when Rod Smith who leads the team all time can't even right. get a freaking argument for made for him in these um you know these committees I have a hard time seeing DT but if anything's going to do it it's the Peyton Manning Association and it's the fact that he was a former first-round pick. That does make a huge difference in these conversations. Real quick, though, here's what some of the Hall of Fame wide receivers' statistical production. All right, just real quick. Jerry Rice, of course, no one's, no receiver's ever going to touch this number, including Larry Fitzgerald. Well, look at that, 22,000, almost 23,000 career yards, dude. I mean, unbelievable. Randy Moss, 15,000. Marvin Harrison, 14. Larry, he's still playing, 17. T.O. 15, Largent 13, Lofton 14, Allworth 10, Carter 13, Tim Brown 14. I'm going through some of these. Meanwhile, all right, I'm trying to see which of these. I mean, look at Michael Irvin. He narrowly edges out Rod Smith in terms of statistical production. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer. DT didn't quite get to that 10,000 mark. That seems to kind of be the floor for modern um, wide receivers making it into the hall. But he only came a hair short, Zach. 
Yeah, I mean, you can make the case for Rod. Uh, I think he, in Broncos lore, I think he's the greatest receiver in Broncos history, but DT's a close second. I, I just, again, objectively, he didn't, didn't have that name cachet. He wasn't that controversial of a player uh, like a uh, like a T.O., for example. He wasn't as overall dominant as a Jerry Rice. Uh, he he won a title and he was successful in Denver. It just didn't it just didn't lead to I think more national or household fame. But again, Ring of Fame though I think is a lock. I want to come back to the Hall of Fame thing here in just a minute, but really quick before we go on. Some quick matters of business, gang. Make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, the main account, at Mile High Huddle. Also, connect with our producer on Twitter, Beast at JohnKMHH. My partner in crime here, Zach Kelberman, at KelbermanNFL. By the way, Zach, it looks like I'm getting a weak signal, so if I start breaking up, let me know. I might have to pop in. I'll pop, pop in it's a little bit, little bit of a robot voice, apparently. Okay. Um, all right, so let me do this real quick. Zach, grab a grab a super chat from Michaela. I'm gonna yep. handle something real quick and I'll be right back into the room. All right. We got that, John, Michaela. Full screen, huddle up pod time. What do we got? I, let me uh, try to get Michaela's. Okay, I see you right. I got you. Thank you, Michaela. 1499 Super. You are the Duchess for a reason. We appreciate you. As always, while Chad uh, restarts his computer and figures that out. Michaela goes, wanted to take a minute to thank the whole MHH family. Happy for DT. Well, well deserved. Yeah, I, I, again, I mean, regardless of what what side you fall on the Hall of Fame debate, we can all agree that he was one of, if not, you can make the case, maybe the greatest receiver in Broncos history, at least up there with Rod Smith. So very happy for DT. I hope whatever is the next chapter for him, whether it's football related or not, he enjoys and uh, he definitely deserves this period and will deserve what's coming to him in week three again when the Broncos will honor him during the Jets in their home opener of the upcoming season. But thank you again, Michaela. You are the greatest. All right, let's uh, let's let's take one more. I see Brandon, uh, $5 Super. Thank you, Brandon, Bama Broncos. DT was an excited player, exciting player to watch over the years, most definitely DT Ring of Fame. He was exciting. And, you know, John and I were talking about this in the uh, in the uh, the lobby before the show, and he says, you know, DT, there's not that many splash plays, in other words. And I was thinking to myself, well, the one that there is, when you think of Demarius Thomas, you think of that, Again, the Tebow play. He takes a quick slant against the Steelers in the playoffs, houses it, runs away from the rest of the defense. And when you see a player that is built like that, when you see a player of those measurements with that sort of speed, with that sort of acceleration and breakaway ability, special, special guy to watch. And I will always be fortunate that I got to see him playing for the Broncos. Yeah, it's uh, you. <laughs> you sound like you're a robot glitching out. So I, I don't know if it's your computer or the router, but I'll take this question real quick. I'll just come back. All right. Okay. Sam, $10 super greetings, Broncos country. Did you know that when Drew Locke does push-ups, he's really pushing the world down? Go Broncos. Guys, that's a joke. Sam is joking. He doesn't really mean it. It's not literal. Drew Locke can't push the world down. He's just having a little fun. Uh, but we appreciate your support and your contributions. It's always Sam Bam. And we hope you're enjoying the evening. And Sam goes, I want the Broncos to be good this year. We all do. And that's why regardless of where you fall on this you know, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, great quarterback battle of 2021. You, wh- whoever wins, get behind. If Teddy Bridgewater wins, I will support Teddy Bridgewater. If they bring in Aaron Rodgers, I will support Aaron Rodgers. If they bring in Deshaun Watson, you see where I'm going with this? You see how easy it is to adapt to the situation? Whoever is the Broncos quarterback, I will root for, and I would highly recommend anyone else does, because we all have a commonality, and that commonality is wanting the Broncos to get back on the NFL map and 
and be successful again. Make the Broncos successful again. It's a really simple slogan, and the way to follow it is supporting who's ever captaining the team, whether it's Locke or anybody else. All right, let's go through some of the Muhammad, as always, Muhammad Badri hopping in, $2 super. I can't make out the first emoji, John, but I see a uh, blue heart. Obviously, for the Broncos, we appreciate you, Mo, as always. Hope you're having a great night. Hope Malik is doing well and the family's doing really well. What else, John? Any other supers while uh, Chad's taking care of business that I missed or we missed? Sliding Glide Bros, great to see you, man. $2 super. Thank you so much. What's up, Broncos country? Who are Broncos Mount Rushmore wide receivers? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, Rod Smith. You can McCaffrey, I would say. You can make the case for DT. And uh, I, I kind of want to farm the, the – Is there, if there's a fourth, I kind of want to farm the fourth one out. Let me know, guys. Is it Broncos legend Jerry Rice? Is he the fourth? Instead of me answering, I want to take some uh, surveys from the polls here, from the audience. So who would be your fourth? If you include, let's say, if you agree with me, McCaffrey, Rod Smith, and DT, who would be your fourth? Uh, Mike goes Rick Upchurch. So let me know in the comments. Wes Welker, Manuel Sanders, DT, and others. I mean, Wes Welker, Upchurch, I think, could be the popular. Ashley Lilly. Steve Watson, McCaffrey, Smith, Tom, that's fair. That's that's a pretty good one. I think Upchurch, though, is the way to go. I think so far he is the consensus. Shannon Sharp was basically a wide receiver. I put him on there. Now, he's one of, if not, you know, top three tight end in football history. So we'll leave him at tight end. Uh, Vance Johnson, someone said, Lewis Cano. Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, those are two. So I, you know, the, the fourth is interchangeable here. I think Upchurch, Marshall, oh, man, you know, Marshall – DT is what Brandon Marshall could have been if he kept his head on straight, and if he had Peyton Manning at quarterback. So uh, that's interesting. That's an interesting conversation, though. Definitely not Lee. That's one guy that can be excluded. So what else we got, John? Joshua Trujillo jumping in. Thank you, Joshua. He goes, DT was a great receiver for us. With Peyton throwing to him, we were able to see his full potential. Nothing but love and respect for him. Enjoy retirement, man. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Go Broncos. Yeah, we, you know, it's true. That's what I was saying. I mean, even if you take away Peyton Manning from DT, he was still a specimen. I mean, receivers don't look like that, even, you know, now, but especially back then, uh, almost a decade ago. And he was just, again, tall, strong, fast, quick, shifty. I mean, he was a good route runner. He had some drops issues every now and then. He was reliable. He was durable. He was pretty much the complete package. And uh, we're all fortunate to see him play, especially in a Peyton Manning-led offense. What a treat for Broncos country. All right. So back to Solo for a second. Uh, well, speaking of – okay, so Zebulon. Zebulon, good to see you. We appreciate all your support. Uh, dropping the stars. I, you have one of the best names of, uh, of any uh, follower or supporter of the show. He says – Speaking of all-time team greats, is Julius Thomas the second-best tight end in team history? Uh, I don't, if you look at Julius Thomas, he's really much, you know, he's literally like uh, a Peyton Manning creation. He's Peyton Manning's Frankenstein. But take away Peyton Manning, which we did, and we saw what Julius Thomas was exposed to be, which is not that what we saw in Denver with Peyton Manning. So I don't know. I, you know, I have trouble putting him there. Solely because the, the the majority of his production, the reason why he's even in the conversation is because Peyton Manning was there, at least with Shannon Sharp. I mean, he spanned different quarterbacks, and he did more, obviously, um, on his resume. I saw one that I wanted to get to here. I want to take this one, John, real quick. Sam Bam hopping in again. 
Zach, if Locke wins the competition, I see him getting about 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, and 10 turnovers. Your thoughts on these projections? You know, it's it seems pretty accurate. I, I think I'm looking at that realistically. 4,000, that was where I kind of did a pause for a second. But, again, with this weaponry he has around him, I mean, arguably three number one wide receivers, a Pro Bowl tight end, you know, two good running backs at least. I can see him hitting that 4,000-yard mark. And if you break it down by 17 games, I'm no math major, but that's not a lot of yards per game. 28 touchdowns, that would be logical because if you get to 4,000, you're probably going to get about 28 to 32 touchdowns at least in that range. 10 picks, that would be, I think, realistically, and I'm being objective here, I think that would be the best case scenario for a full Drew Lock season. He hasn't shown himself to be turnover proof just yet. And I think as he still grows, because he's still a young quarterback, he's going to commit those turnovers. He's still going to make those plays that make you scratch your head and wonder, what are you doing? Why are you even on the field? But then he's going to come back as you see with the yards and the touchdowns. But again, I digress. 4,028 and 10, they, he get, they get that production, the Broncos. If he winds up Putting those stats on paper in reality, they will be a playoff team. They will be a double-digit win team, and they will be a force to reckon with, I think, in the AFC. So I think it's not too unrealistic, and if he hits his marks, they could be done. Muhammad says, carry the team, Dragon. I am. I'm, I will try my best, Muhammad. This is nothing new for me. Anyone who watched uh, the show years ago out there on 24-7 Sports knows I did these Facebook Lives all the time solo. Pre-Chad, different times, totally, but uh, I have no problem doing this if need be. I just hope Chad can figure that out because the show is not complete without my co-host. But, uh, John, what else are we pulling up while we have a minute here? Sliding Glide Bros, uh, $10 super. Thank you once again. Haha, I love Chad. I would buy you Wi-Fi, but I'm not. Maybe if I was rich, though. It's okay. I think he's getting it figured out, Sliding Glide, but he definitely appreciates your thoughts, and we appreciate your contributions. Here's an interesting question I want to take real quick, John. Broncos fan 99 goes, can we have three guys with double-digit sacks? Three guys. So first you have to identify uh, who those three guys could be. Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. Who would be the third guy, though? I mean, not A.J. Johnson. He's not really a sack master. Josie Jewell. Would it be Baron Browning if he gets his, you know, over his injury and he gains the trust of the coaching staff as a rookie? I mean, that might be a far cry, too. I don't really see it. I mean, even if you try to identify three guys, it's hard to get that in, in its current uh, in, in current times. Albert, Albert Knoppers goes Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, but those are interior guys, though. I mean, you can make the case that they're going to be doing the dirty work so Von Miller and Bradley Chubb could get those double-digit sacks. It would be totally best-case scenario, and I think the Broncos would flirt with uh, the all-time sacks record if they had three guys in double digits, but I believe certainly Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, the floor for both is 12 sacks. I think both can hit 15. So 30 sacks between two players and let the others, you know, like the Malik Reeds, like the Draymonts, like the Shelbys, let them clean up with eight, nine, 10 sacks, maybe approaching those numbers combined. I, I just don't see three separate players, given the way the Broncos defense operates when the strength still is the secondary. And you might see the sack numbers not be so magical as you're predicting, but you're going to see the turnover number skyrocket. You're going to see the interception number skyrocket. Because even if Vaughn doesn't get there or Bradley Chubb doesn't get there or Malik Reed or Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, this defense is going to be fun. They're still going to cause pressure. That's going to change the impact of the play and force a turnover. Pressure is production. 
And I think the Broncos' defense will be very productive this season. In sacks, yeah, maybe not three double-digit guys, but a lot of turnovers, a lot of interceptions. It's going to be fun to watch regardless. Dale, good to see you, Dale. Dale Rude, $5 super. Thank you so much, Dale. Hope you're having a great evening. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight. He says, doesn't DT hold the record for most receptions in a Super Bowl with 13 against Seattle? He was a special player to watch. Love the humble power he was. That's what jumped out to me as well about watching that video that you know we played at the beginning. DT getting that, that convert, you know, that phone call from Peyton Manning. Most other players, especially wide receivers, they're literally regarded as divas. And DT wasn't that. DT was one of the rare guys, like a Marvin Harrison, for example, Maybe not off the field, considering what happened to him. DT was such a humble guy, though. He wasn't a diva. He was very soft-spoken. Chad talked about his social and behavioral uh, deficits he had to overcome. Those aren't easy. Those can be crippling. And DT did it in the biggest football stage there is, in Denver, a story town. So I loved his humility. I love how soft-spoken. Any other receiver, when they got that call from Peyton Manning, would have put that call you know, look at me. I'm talking to Peyton. Look at me. Let me Instagram this. Let me put this on Twitter. Let me get those likes and that clout. He's not about that. And that's one thing, aside from his physical talent, just his personality and his humility that I really respected and admired about DT. Great question, Albert. Do we have a wide receiver right now that resembles DT? Well, you know, if you guys remember, and it feels like Cortland Sutton hasn't played in forever. It feels that way. But I was saying last year before the season that Cortland Sutton will go down as the best receiver in Broncos history. A little bit of a hot take, but when you think about his potential and what he's already done, you know, his his floor and his ceiling, I think it's definitely um, within reason. If he gets good quarterback play, if not, maybe not Peyton Manning level, but just consistent, good, you know, to maybe great quarterback play, I think Cortland Sutton's the obvious choice, but DT did it again for many years, and he came out of a very unconventional offense in college and he had to adjust and again he had those off the field social issues and Cortland Sutton doesn't have any of those problems so he has a ways to go but right now physically I mean they're both big hulking guys you could argue Cortland Sutton's catch point is better than DT's you can argue that Cortland Sutton's hands are better than DT's so obviously he's the number one clone to him and I think if he ends up in his current trajectory maybe 10, 12 years from now, we'll be having the same podcast talking about Cortland Sutton retiring and entering the Broncos ring of fame. He has that potential, but DT obviously is already proven. Gary Leeds Palmer, good to see you, Gary, and thank you. Another one with your Facebook support and your stars. It's definitely acknowledged and appreciated. Gary goes, is it possible for them to induct him into the ring of fame when DT is honored at the Jets game? I don't, I'm not totally sure if that's the plan is to induct him then into the ring of fame in week three. It could be. I know they're going to have some sort of special ceremony at halftime. They're going to you know, honor him, recognize him. I'm not 100% sure, though, if he's going to go into the ring in that game. But we can all be, you know, uh, be comforted in the fact that he's a lock for it and his name will be in the hollowed rafters of Mile High Stadium soon enough. Willie, <laughs> the number one Buona Beast fan on planet Earth. Good to see you, Willie. Uh, $2 Super, thank you so much. The fact that he says we haven't signed Sutton yet bugs me. Well, you have to look at it like a business, Willie. I mean, you have a player who, yeah, I mean, he did produce, but he was on his rookie contract, and he got hurt last year. So for all the potential he has, and I'm the biggest Cortland Sutton fan in the world, why would you hand out maybe a market value or maybe even market resetting contract to an injured player? 
who you still have questions on if he can succeed given the continuing in, inconsistencies of the Broncos quarterback position. I think he's great. I think he will be one of the best in Broncos history. But I, I don't think – I think the Broncos made a wise move seeing how he comes back this coming season. They know they're going to retain him. They know they're going to shell out big bucks. But it's a matter of maybe 12 a year versus 15 a year. If he produces this year, great. They have no problem paying him because he helped the Broncos win, and they probably were going to pay him anyway. But if he doesn't produce this year, if he has a down year, or if he gets hurt again, then they can save themselves some money and lock him in at a, at a lower discounted rate. So I think the Broncos, as much as we all love Cortland, from a business perspective, I think they made the, the wise move waiting. It's the long game. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing some of the comments. Chad the Robot, Chad Headroom. <laughs> uh some of these are Mr. Roboto. Those were pretty funny. C-3PO. Yeah, he's having a tough tech night. Guys, it happens. You know, he has a lot of devices that are being used in his household. He has a lot of Wi-Fi and bandwidth being taken up. So uh, it might be have to carry the show the rest of the day this evening, guys. It might be the Zach Solo Huddle Up podcast time. So if you don't like me, I'm sorry for your ears, but you're going to have to just deal with it in the time being, it looks like. It's crazy. I don't know what's going on. Everything's on. Yeah. So Willie, <laughs> Willie goes $2 super. Thank you so much, Willie. Once again, he goes Sutton will never be cheaper than right now. But yeah, again, though, if he comes back and plays well, great. You want him to play great. You want him to help the Broncos win. And in the back of George Payton's mind, because he, he plays a long game because he plays 40 chess, because he can see five moves down the road. He's, probably putting money aside. We all wonder why the Broncos are sitting on their cap space precisely because they have players coming up who require second contracts, Cortland Sutton being the top of that list more than likely. So I think they're prepared to pay him anyway, but why would you pay him too early? And it takes two to tango. Maybe Cortland Sutton's side is saying, you know, I want to gamble on myself. I want to see what I can do this year. If he signs for 10 right now on a prove-it deal when he can make 15 a year and make some serious guaranteed money, we would probably all want to do that. He's coming back from an injury that shouldn't be career-threatening. He's still very young. He's already proven, and he fits in this Broncos system with his receivers around him uh, like a glove. So I'm not surprised that they didn't get anything done right now. It's not grading at me. There's other things about the Broncos that are grading at me. Cortland Sutton's non-deal is not one of them. All right, let's go through some of the... I got John's hopping in now. It's just me tonight. I'm the last bandwidth standing, it looks like. All right, so we'll see what else we got in the comments. Guys, this this might be a punctuated show this evening. It might not be a full hour. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to hop in and, and fire them away. I'll take what I can see here while I do this impromptu solo edition of the Huddle Up Pod. People asking about Robot Chad. He's out there somewhere trying to conquer the mysterious internet dragon. That beast. Steve. Wow, Steve, we appreciate your sentiments here. The football priests are keeping me entertained while I work this 12-hour shift. I can't wait for our team to shock the league. Shock the league. You know how they would shock the league? They would be the Broncos' iteration that we think they can all be. They can shock the league by them being as good as we expect them to be. It wouldn't be shocking to any of us who watch or cover the team to know that they would make some noise this year. We were saying it last year before the pandemic ruined sports and ruined the world, before injuries ruined the Broncos, before bad play and bad coaching ruined the Broncos as well. 
But we were saying the same things last offseason, and we stuck by them with conviction. If they get quarterback play at a decent level, not even good, a decent level, whether that's Drew Locker, Teddy Bridgewater, combined with this defense, in conjunction with the schedule being lighter and with the roster and the talent they have on offense, it would not surprise me at all if we get on the Huddle Up podcast and it's in the middle of January and we're previewing a Broncos playoff game. And not only previewing that, we will be predicting a Broncos upset victory because there's nothing upsetting or surprising if we hear and see the Broncos being the team we all think and know and expect them to be. Let them hate. They will all see. That's why we say it. It's not just a Drew Locke expression. Let him hate was born by years, at least five years now, of constant media, underhanded, you know, backhanded compliments, uh, no relevancy, no respect, no acknowledgement, no appreciation, being the butt of every joke out there. That's why let them hate exists, because let them say what they want. Let them be shocked. Let them count Denver out. Let them think the Broncos are a non-entity. They will all see. And that's why we're saying, let them hate. Pobby, 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 Pobby. Not only are you jumping in, Pobby, and, and making your entrance felt, you're doing so with a very symbolic uh, super $88 super. Thank you so much, Bobby. I mean, you are the princess of the pod. We have the Duchess. All we're missing is Christy, and we'll be complete with the triumvirate of royalty on the show. But thank you so, so much. I know Chad is going to see this if he's not watching right now, Bobby, and he's, you know, tipping his hat as usual. He appreciates it. Thank you so much. And, of course, 88 for Demarius Thomas. She goes, showing some love and respect for DT. He was so much fun to watch. Have a great night, guys. Pobby, our night is better because you've decided to bless us with your presence. That goes for everyone else out there, but what your generosity and your support is, is so felt and so appreciated. You are the best, Pobby. Thank you. We hope you're having a great evening as well. And, uh, yeah, DT deserves all these accolades, honestly. I mean, I, I'm really happy for him, and uh, we were all fortunate to watch him play. Dave, good to see you, Dave. Dave from Georgia, $10 super. Thank you so much. Who would you say will be the, be- the most improved player? offensive and defensive hashtag let him hate hashtag best Broncos pod appreciate you Dave most improved player offensive and defensive is that including I mean okay is that including Drew Locke because that's the easy choice here he's the quarterback and I think improved because we will see at least most of the iteration that we thought we were getting last year Um, other than that though I think Jerry Judy is another obvious answer he's going to be flirting with a thousand yards and he might hit that number if Drew Locke hits 4,000 or Teddy Bridgewater, whoever's quarterbacking the Broncos. So Drew Locke for quarterback, non-quarterback answer on offense is Jerry Judy. He's going to hold it down. And the people that are clutching their pearls right now and, and labeling him a bust, you guys don't understand how receivers work and how they integrate in the NFL. It takes a while. And especially with the Broncos offense being so broken, it takes doubly long. He's still a rookie, you know, in, in some ways, Jerry Judy. So he's going to be improved big time defensive most improved player um so many were good last year it's hard to kind of you know uh, uh you know nail on on one I, I maybe hopefully kareem jackson if he's brought back at being the starting safety until jamar johnson takes over hopefully um he he was really poor in coverage last year in my opinion kareem jackson maybe michael ojibudia I know that won't be a problem because the broncos drafted and signed and acquired so many cornerbacks but he was having some problems dropping interceptions, getting beat in coverage, and you know maybe not locating the ball at certain times. But the rest of the defense is pretty stacked, man. Um, 
I really can't think of one one defensive guy who's really on notice. I'm going through the starters in my head right now. I mean, Shelby and Draymond, Mike Purcell. I mean, he, he was injured last year. AJ was good. Jewel was decent. I can't say much about him last year. And Vaughn and Chubb are Vaughn and Chubb. And the secondary is a secondary. So I'm going to go with Ojemudia as most improved. And that's the thing, though, now. That's why the Broncos are in such a fortuitous spot. Even if Michael Lowe doesn't improve, I, okay, the Broncos have so many other quarter, cornerbacks ahead of him. They just drafted Pat Sertan, for God's sakes. But, yeah, I'll land on him as my most improved. Dale, thank you again for your contribution. He goes, Zach, I've heard the takes that Javante Williams, I'm assuming, will be used sparingly this year, and Denver will be using up Gordon on the final year of his contract. Thoughts? I don't know that you trade up for a running back. I mean, it's one thing to draft one in the second round. Running back is so devalued in the NFL, and the Broncos did, as you alluded to here, just pay Melvin Gordon a lot of money. But you don't draft one in the second round is one thing, but to trade up for that guy and then gush over him is another so I, I don't know about sparingly. I think, yeah, they're going to make – this is where I agree with you, Dale. They're going to make Melvin Gordon the RB1. They're going to make him the starter in title only because of that contract, because they have to try to uh, save face and kind of squeeze whatever juice they can out of Melvin Gordon because I think even John Elway acknowledges he overpaid for Melvin. He's a good but not great running back, and great running backs make $8 million a year, not Melvin Gordon. I think Javante will be the starter as soon as Javante is ready to be the starter. Gordon is going to be the RB1, but it's going to be a de facto role. And by midseason latest, Dale, latest, you'll see Javante being given the bulk of the snaps. Uh, Dave, it's like Zach and I share a brain. I, Dave, I, you know, you're wearing the let him hate shirt. So, of course, we're going to share a brain. I mean, some people just see like-minded and uh, you and I happen to be like that. So, I appreciate your contribution. Michaela is jumping in back in. 499 Super. Thank you again, Michaela. The Duchess, Locke will be the most improved player on offense. Defense will be Chubb. I agree with you about Locke. I, I, it's hard to say much about Bradley Chubb, though, considering he came back from a really hard injury. And that's, I think, harder on an outside linebacker than it would be a receiver, being you know a knee injury, lower leg injury. But he looked like the Bradley Chubb of old by season's end. And that's all we want out of Bradley Chubb is to go back to that 2018 level well, he was flirting with defensive rookie of the year. And, you know, you can make the case that he should have gotten it. He was flirting with sack records and he was flirting with this and that. So I, I can't hammer too much on Bradley Chubb. He started slow last year. And I think if he started out of the gates, the way he played toward the end, he would have been exactly like the 2018 version. But again, if we're having to nitpick, and this is my thing. And if you guys saw KK on Sunday, I highly recommend you guys watching it. Five bubble players on the Denver Broncos who might not make the roster. A couple surprises on there as well. I, I made the point, as we have, Chad and I, multiple times, if we have to nitpick, if we have to sit here and hem and haw over who is maybe, you know, who needs to be improved or who could be a cut candidate or who's, who's overrated, if we have to think about that, that's a good problem for the Broncos to have. That means this roster is deep. So if we're Michaela, you and I are going back and forth on whether the most improved player is Bradley Chubb, who played really good last year, or Michael Ojemudia, who doesn't really matter anymore, the Broncos' defense is in good hands. All right, we got some supers coming in, John, while I ranted away. So let's pull, let's pull those up. I see I got Willie real quick. Willie, $2 super. This is for you, John. John, my man, hashtag not a burner account. I'm still not convinced, John. I still think you and Willie, I never saw you two in the same room. So I think you two are one in the same. 
I, we got another. I got these, John. We got another one from Dale. Okay, I'll take I'll take Brandon. That's fine. Uh, Brandon Bama Broncos father super. Thank you so much, Brandon. Do you do you think that Pat will change the playbook this year? Uh, so more to be more lock friendly. Brandon, how much time you got? You know, how much time do we all have? We're at 42 minutes and rounding the corner to 43. I hope to God, I hope to God, God Almighty, that Pat Shermer adapts his playbook. I don't buy that he had to trim it down. I think that his playbook and his plays were that bad, that that's the cover that he went with, that Drew Locke could blame the quarterback, blame the young guy. Don't blame me that my plays look like Madden 2003, that I didn't know what a screen pass was until week 15 that I didn't run anything creatively with any of my players that I have. I ignored Noah Fan, a top 10 tight end. I ignored Jerry Judy, a first-round receiver. I ignored KJ Hamler, a second-round receiver. I mean, that's on Pat Shermer. That's a Pat Shermer problem. We can go day and night till I'm blue in the face, as blue as this hat, that Drew Locke versus Pat Shermer as to the biggest culprit. Drew Locke had his downfalls last year. He was part of the problem for sure. He was part of the problem. Let me get that out there. But my God, how many quarterbacks could have succeeded last year with this kind of playbook? It's like watching something from 20 years ago. There was nothing new. There's nothing cutting edge. Nothing that kept opponents up at night. Uh, Opposing defensive coordinators did not respect Pat Shermer, nor his players, nor should they. So I hope, my only hope, no excuses now. I mean, his offensive line is where I think he wants it to be. He has the weapons for sure. He has a quarterback. That's coming back for a second year. He brought in a veteran behind him in Teddy Bridgewater. There's no excuses for Pat. He has to get on to the 2020-2021 level of the NFL. And that's keeping things guessing, keeping the air of mystery alive, not run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt. It's monotonous. It's the definition of insanity, the Pat Shermer playbook. So I pray to the football gods from the priest. That it changes. Chris O'Hiran, O'Hiran. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, that's a newer name, though, I believe. So welcome if you haven't been to many of our live stream podcasts. We appreciate you, Chris. He asked, do you think we give both inside linebackers a contract this year or let them go and go in a different direction with Jewel and Johnson? I think one of them stands a good chance to get re-signed, if only because who they're playing in the middle of and I understand the Broncos have Sternod and they brought in Baron Browning, but that would be very, very lucky if both of those players, Sternod and Browning, developed this year. I think if they got one to a full-time development, they would be in good hands. But for now, you know, Johnson is what he is. I think that's a major upgrade on Todd Davis. And what I mean by that is a two-down thumper, but at least he's passable. I mean, he's he's average in coverage. You can at least get by with him. You really can't get by. You couldn't get by with Todd Davis in coverage. You really can't get by with Josie Jewell in coverage. I'm okay with paying AJ. Josie, though, has to show me more. I mean, it's one thing to stop the run, but the Broncos have plenty of those guys. And I think it was an indictment on both of them that they drafted Baron Browning and they got him where they did and they, and they made him a priority because I think he is the future. So one of those guys will get a contract. A second contract, I firmly believe. And I, I think right now, as it stands, it could be A.J. A.J. and Baron Browning are what I think Fangio and George Payton want the future of the inside linebacker position to look like in Denver. Lewis. Lewis Cano, $5 super. Thank you so much, Lewis. Happy birthday to the Broncos. Go John Elway. 
it's always I always when I see these I always have to like Google when his birthday actually is because this it's a running meme in Broncos country every day is John Elway's birthday. So I'm not sure I believe you, Luis. But happy belated or upcoming birthday to John Elway. I will say that. Dale, jumping in again. Appreciate uh, your contribution, Dale. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Do you think Teddy has low TD numbers because his dink and dunk passes and and since windows get tighter? In the red zone, it's harder to score. I, I, you can look at it that way. I mean, there's there's a lot of different factors. And that's just why I want to be fair and not put all the blame on Drew Locke because it's not just the quarterback. There's 10 other players on the field. There's a coaching staff. There's a lot that goes into it than just the quarterback play. But that's Teddy's game. And when you look at the, the, the teams he's played for, I mean, Carolina, when they got near the red zone, they would run the ball. New Orleans, when they got near the red zone, they would run the ball. So I think it's more of a product of the scheme he played in than, you know, an indictment on Teddy Bridgewater. But they're, on the other hand, Dale, uh, where you're correct here is there's no defense that's scared by Teddy Bridgewater's arm. So you're right that windows get tighter, but Drew Locke can fit the ball in those tight windows. He has the arm talent to do so. That's not a, an opinion. That's a fact. Teddy Bridgewater does not have that arm. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. So when you have the arm talent, that's where, you know, you can get the ball there. That's where the potential and the ceiling and the excitement of Drew Locke comes in compared to the reliability, you could say, and the mediocrity, you could say, of Teddy Bridgewater. Apparently, it really is John Elway's birthday. So happy birthday to the GOAT, John Elway. I think the Broncos GOAT for sure. So I hope he's enjoying it today, him and his extended family. He's no longer the Broncos GM. First birthday in quite a while where he's not being under the gun in Denver. I hope it's good. I hope he's having a nice steak at Elway's and enjoying his evening. Geiger Gaming, jumping in. $5 super, Geiger super sticker. Appreciate you, Geiger. Keep it up with the with the pair with a headband, lifting weights, and wearing shoes. Okay, so we appreciate you, Geiger. We got it. And I believe... Go get. I don't know. I didn't. I, I don't know the name associated, but I believe you. You uh, patronized the store. We got an order from Australia. So if that's you, we're happy that it went through. And if it's not you, then you know that we ship to Australia. So if you uh, still want to pick up your merch, huddleuppod.com. Appreciate you. In the shop with Willie once again. Thank you, Willie. Two dollars super. He's lying. John, Zach, and I talked pre-show. <laughs> okay, that's true. You're right. But I, I can still be done, though, in today's age. Uh, you know, John, you can get some virtual reality going. I don't know. I think it's going to happen. All right. Albert, now imagine Rodgers coming and Shermer forcing his playbook onto Rodgers. I don't think that would go well. Yeah, you, you can argue that Rodgers would kind of be like, listen, Pat, I got this. I know I have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and the rest. I'm okay. But it's another thing. If he couldn't make it work with Mike McCarthy, who I think is a better play caller than Pat Shermer, as sad as that is, if he couldn't make it work with Matt LaFleur, at least in crunch time, uh, how is he ever going to make it worth with uh, Pat Shermer? I mean, again, it's one thing when we get on him for, oh, he should have ran when you know he threw here. That's one thing. But when consistently, week in and week out, up until the last week of the season, we don't see anything from 2021. We don't see anything creative. Anything genius at all, anything close to it, that's a Pat Shermer problem. And I think that would grate on Aaron after a while if on, you know, third and eight, he, you know, Pat Shermer dials up a, uh, a draw. 
or a, a two-yard impasse. How many times do we see the Broncos throw short of the sticks on third down? That would drive Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or Drew Locke or any other quarterback crazy, and it should. He has a lot to work on, and I hope, going back to the previous question, that Pat Shermer smartened up and grew a brain. Uh, Geiger, it was you. We appreciate your patronage. Thank you so much for uh, perusing the store. And I, I, you got a hoodie. I hope you uh, enjoy it when you get it. Let us know. We'll put it up on the uh, MHH Instagram account. Thank you. Dave, Georgia, Father Super. Thank you again, Dave. I don't think Tom Brady could have won with the turnstile we had at right tackle. I don't know, man. I counted Tom Brady out a lot in my life. And, you know, no time more than last year. And I thought, for sure, the Buccaneers – They'd be an eight-win team, nine-win team. They would get by, maybe get to the second round of the playoffs and get bounced. Didn't work out that way. I know Kansas City was beat up and Mahomes was hurt in the Super Bowl, but Tom Brady is just, you got to acknowledge what he's done. Uh, You could use the G word if you want, but you just got to acknowledge the kind of player he is. He proved me wrong last year. He opened my eyes. And I think him being Tom Brady, if I was out there at right tackle, he could have made it work. So, Sam Bam. Jumping in. $10 super. Thank you so much, Sam. You are quickly, quickly becoming a superstar right up there on Mount Rushmore. We'll get the tools and carve your bust soon enough. We appreciate you. Uh, my future fantasy team would like to know if you would take Broncos defense over the Bills or Bucks defense. I don't trust the Steelers defense two months till my draft. Thanks. I have a I had a rule in fantasy. The team that was my team, I would never draft players from. I, I don't know, like like back in the day, people who know me, you know, some of you might know this, and I was a big loyalist to the Jets, and I would never draft a Jets player to save my life. Maybe it was superstition or not, but I think this is the year, though, where if all things click, you would take that Broncos defense. And I think there's something to be said about regression for Tampa Bay this year. I'm not saying that they're going to be bad. I'm not saying they're going to miss the playoffs, but that defense was nearing historic levels, at least in the postseason. And I don't know if they can duplicate that. And the same goes for the Bills. Josh Allen looks great, but there's always that natural slump. There's always that ebb in the flow. So um, I would look into the Broncos. And if you have an empty spot on your fantasy team, if you have a bench spot, I would get some certain Broncos players now, I would take Noah Fan. I would take Jerry Judy, I would take the Broncos defense, because if they hit like we think they'll hit, you'll be the one cashing out in the end. All right, in the shop with Willie, I did an audible oof to Zach saying McCarthy is a better play caller than Shermer. He's right, though. Listen, McCarthy is not a good play caller. I watched him in Dallas last year, even though he wasn't calling plays. They had Kellen Moore. Uh, but I watched him in, in, in Green Bay, and the same problems that Pat Shermer had, they're, they're from the same tree pretty much, from the same period, from the same era. Their playbooks are almost identical in some ways. But I would still take Mike McCarthy, and I think most people would out there, over Pat Shermer, and that's saying something. That really is saying something. Uh, in the shop again, Willie, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your continued contribution. You're single-handedly carrying the content of the show for the evening. Willie goes, I told you to quit hating on Tom. I called it Zach. I don't know who Tom's referring to. Maybe you can let me know, John, because uh, I'm having a brain fart at the current moment. Okay, we're going to be on here for a few more minutes. I'll take a few more questions. If anyone else has them, Be you know, this is the uh, two-minute warning for questions. Feel free. Feel free to fire them in. That's a hard sentence to say, but I will be on the lookout as we're vamping right now. Uh, Dave from Georgia, 1,000-yard rusher. (sighs) 
See, that's where, you know, we talk about double-digit sack guys or, you know, three double-digit sack guys. This is where Javante and Melvin can kind of hurt each other and cancel each other out in some ways if they deploy them as a committee. And Melvin Gordon does, if he holds off Javante, he's going to be delaying that the Javante era for as long as he can. And both of those guys, they can end up in 800 yards, 900 yards. So the longer that Melvin Gordon hangs around, I think the more he's going to cancel out some of uh, Javante's usage. But in the future, if not this year, then next year, Javante Williams will be a 1,000-yard rusher. And you can screenshot that right now, screen record, uh, whatever. Right now, June 28th, 717 Mountain Time. Next year, 2022, Javante Williams, 1,000-yard club. Sam Bam, running back by committee. And with Boone in the mix, this is kind of playing off our last question, I don't think anyone gets 1,000 in less injury. That's what I'm saying, Sam. I'm with you on that. If the longer Merlot hangs around in this backfield rotation, if he comes out and plays like an $8 million a year running back, uh, he's going to hold off Javante, and they can cancel each other out. But if you have 4,000 passing yards and you only have – 1,600 rushing yards, 1,700, I can live with that. It's all about how the Broncos' offense looks. I don't care about titles. I don't care about accolades. I don't really, you know, Pro Bowls and all that. It's good on paper. It's good for headlines. But as long as the Broncos' offense is productive, as long as they're scoring points and they're fun to watch and they're winning, I don't really care who does what. Just win. Just win, baby. That's all I'm saying. Black Knight, Jeremy, uh, one day removed from your very, very generous uh, donation and super chat. Thank you again, Jeremy, Black Knight on Twitch. What would this roster have looked like with Brady in charge of the offense? Man, you, you have to wonder. But here's the thing. Does Brady win the ring last year if Tampa Bay's defense isn't what it was? That's what I want to pose out there because I have my reservation. As good as Brady is. They were playing the Tampa Bay defense at just a, a, a crazy rate in the playoffs, especially with all the sack artists they have and the pressure they were getting. Does he win the title with a mediocre defense? Because as good as the Broncos defense could have been, they were racked by injuries. So if Tampa Bay lost Devin White to a season-ending injury like the Broncos lost Von Miller, or if they lost Shaquille Barrett or Levante David, does he win that title? So I don't know. Would the Broncos make the playoffs last year? Probably. I mean, they the roster was still good enough, and they were still hanging in most games. But do they, you know, do they win a title? I don't know. So we don't have to worry about it, though. That's the thing. That's one quarterback, guys. We don't have to debate, and I thank God for that. 17-game season, Sam Bam goes, so more preserving the running backs, I think, will be of the strategy. It could be, but I believe the hot hand should get the carries. I don't really believe, you know, coaches and front offices put all this emphasis on analytics and data and this. Just trust your eyes and trust your gut. Whoever is the hot hand should get the carries. If Merlot is running well, let Merlot run the ball. Let him be the RB1. If Pookie is showing out better, if he's outperforming Gordon, then let him be the RB1. Don't start overthinking it. Keep it simple, stupid Pat Shermer. In the shop with Willie, Brady wins a ring last year in Denver. I I don't know. Now, with the coach, I mean, again, it, it wasn't – you have to subscribe to that theory, Willie. I mean, if you think that Drew Locke was the sole culprit last year. If you think Locke was the only reason the Broncos didn't win a title, then, yeah, Brady could have won with them, but he wasn't. The coaching was still horrible at times, horrible. 
Look at the season finale. The Broncos had the longest pass of the season. The NFL tweeted this video out, the 92-yard touchdown Jerry Judy had. They lost the game because of Vic Fangio and the defense and the players breaking down and his and Fangio's timeout mismanagement, his blunders. That wasn't Drew Locke's fault. Drew Locke kept them in that game. So I don't know that Brady being even as good as he is and as, you know, as goaded as he is, could he have overcome the coaching? Could he have overcome the injuries, the right tackle rotations? Could he have overcome that? We'll never know. Uh, okay, one or two more questions, and uh, we're hitting the hour mark soon, so we'll get out of here in a few more minutes. Let's see what we have if the chat hasn't devolved down. Geiger goes, the real hypothetical is what do we look like today if we drafted Russell Wilson? I mean, guys, I mean, what do the Broncos look like if they took Dak Prescott, not Paxton Lynch in 2016? I mean, we can have these what-ifs all day, and all we're going to do is drive ourselves crazy and make ourselves miserable and I'm, I don't want to be miserable right now, you know? So it is – a lot of teams pass on these quarterbacks, though. It, it is unfortunate, but a lot of teams did this. And Sam Bam mentions Watson. A lot of teams are, are having these regrets as well. The Broncos aren't the only one. And if we focus on every single hypothetical, we're going to drive ourselves mad. I don't really feel like being that way. All right. Free Earth Citizen, I think we'll end with this question. Uh, it's a good question to end on. Free Earth goes, keep Freeman as the fourth running back. It will be a long season. I mean, long season or not, though, do you need four running backs? You need four running backs. You have five receivers. You have two tight ends. Realistically, how much how much production could you afford? How much could you allocate? You have Merlot, $8 million a year running back. Salary is guaranteed this year. Final year of his contract. Training with Zeke Elliott right now. Wants to endear himself to Denver. He'll take some of the pounding. That's what he's done in his career. The Broncos traded up in the second round for Pookie. He'll take some of the brunt. He has tread left on his tires. They brought in Mike Boone. He'll take some of the brunt as a third down guy. And when you break it down that way, and they can throw the ball a ton as they will, where does Royce fit in? And not to give anything away, but we talked about this on KK, and he did make my list. And I would not be surprised if the Broncos cut him and before that try to flip him for a late-round draft pick. To me, Freeman, great flyer for what he, uh, what he was, great idea at the time, great potential tandem with Philip Lindsay, but it didn't work out. And when you sign a running back and give him $16 million and then draft one in the second round, what does that say about the guy? Not much. Yeah, you look good. Hey, good news. It's been resolved. I've been on the phone this whole time with my internet provider, whole uh, Xfinity. It's figured out, but I just wanted to pop on and apologize, guys. Sorry, I don't. I know what the problem was, but there was no way to foresee that as being a problem. But good news is it's fixed. So, Zach, thanks for carrying, hot the, carrying the torch. Taking up the bandwidth. That's right, dude. That's right. That's what I get for co-hosting Kelberman's Corner with you yesterday. <laughs> All the hot takes, dude, just like the bandwidth just went... Like poltergeist, put it back where you found it, Chad. But yeah, I have been listening. I've been on one ear talking to the people, on the other listening to the conversation. So good stuff. Yeah, that's gonna do it. I think though, guys. Uh, people are saying get Spectrum. I have Spectrum, guys, and uh, Jay. I, he's recommending that I would not get Spectrum. I know that's regional, but I've had better service in my day. It, it's uh, not the best, but that's gonna do it, guys. I think for the Huddle Up Pod tonight, and Chad, unless you have a final thought. No, no, all good. Apologies again, gang. We'll see you Wednesday night. Yeah, 
So, guys, we appreciate all your support and all your generosity and all your interaction, your questions tonight. I know it was a little bit of an impromptu solo, and I'm on the left side of the screen. I know there's a freakout right now going on probably in some sect of the comment section, but be sure to follow us on Twitter, guys, at HuddleUpPod. You can follow the mother account at Mile High Huddle. Follow myself at KelbermanNFL. You can follow Chad, as you see, at Chad and Jensen. Be sure, as Willie does, for sure, is follow Buana Beast at John K M H H on Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com, guys, check it out. Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Like the page, follow the page. Also, Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Become a supporter if you haven't already. Uh, Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, Trickle Zone, all great content exclusive to you as soon as you hit that button. We appreciate all of you. Also, huddleuppod.com and get your swag. We got an order, like we mentioned, from Geiger from Australia. He's patronizing the store. Things are selling really well right now, and we appreciate each and every one of you that checks it out. But if you can't do any of that, as we always say, we understand and we appreciate it and respect that. But three things we plead for you to do for us is subscribe. Like and share every video you see on the Mile High Huddle channel, every Huddle Up podcast. Get it out there and help us grow and reach the heights that we want to reach. But we're out of here, though, until Wednesday night. Tomorrow is building the Broncos. Willie, $2 super. Zach, just acting like my last super wasn't there. I was not doing that to you, Willie. I mean, John. I mean, Willie. Uh, Brady is the only Q that actually raises all ships. Okay, Chad, real quick, real quick. Do you, If Brady was on the Broncos last year, help me settle this. What happens? Uh, with all the injuries, I mean, that's a apples to, uh, oranges comparison. Um, I still think it's a team he carries to the playoffs, but I don't think there would have been enough depth there to take it to take it to the house. That's too many, too many stars. I mean, you lost 14, 15 pro bowls between Vaughn, Jarrell Casey, Sutton, uh, Bouye, not to mention anything about Callahan, not to mention anything about Purcell. I still think they might have got. They probably would have got to the playoffs, but I don't think you could have gotten over the hump and beaten the best teams in the conference. You couldn't have got past the Chiefs. I don't think. Right, and plus, you know, you can raise all ships, but those ships are still beholden to the sea, and that's also <laughs> nice. that's a very uncertain entity out there. But we that's appreciate a good line, dude. I've never heard that <laughs> one before. I'm going to remember that. I'll put it on the T-shirt. Don't worry about it. We'll find a way to monetize it. But we appreciate you guys building the Broncos tomorrow. Broncos for breakfast tomorrow morning. We appreciate you. Back in the saddle Wednesday night, hopefully, Chad, with a good connection. 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.